right, folks, we are back, and uh, to be honest with you, this is my favorite type of Behind the Yellow Line. We've got Randall here tonight, we've got Jeremy here tonight, but I am excited because we've got a special guest joining us this evening. If you are active on Twitter, if you're a Cubs fan, you probably know this guy, Sean Holland. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're really excited to talk Cubs baseball with you tonight. Glad to be here. Sean is on Twitter at STH85. You've read him with Cubs Insider. That's at Cubs Insider and CubsInsider.com. Maybe, maybe you've also heard his podcasts, especially Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. That got my attention a couple years back when our guy Randall J. Sanders was on it. So it's cool to have you with us here, returning the favor a bit. Uh, he's also got a Blackhawks podcast, the Emergency Goalies podcast. Um, Kind of two tough teams to be tracking right now, the Cubs and the Blackhawks. But our hope tonight is to get into that and to talk about the Chicago Cubs team. Uh, something that we do, though, with every guest that comes on the show, we want to know your story. Like, the cool thing about being a Cubs fan is we're all over the world, and you're in Montana. So yeah. how does Sean Holland become a Chicago Cubs fan? Uh, well, basically, because his father was one and his grandfather was one. So... It's basically all my grandpa's fault. <laughs> the bloodline there. Sean, Cubs fandom is absolutely something that's passed down hereditarily, and there's no cure. We all know that. Yes, my uh, grandfather briefly moved to Chicago when he was a kid with his relatives and became a Cubs fan in like the um, late 20s. Early wow. 30s, and moved back to Montana, and that was, you know, his whole family. You had to be a Cubs fan. So yeah. didn't have a choice. Well, that's how it spreads. Is someone imports it from Chicago to some other part of the country or the world and just sets up its own little pocket there. That's right. That must have been tough though in like the nineteen whenever we moved back to Montana. Yeah. Follow the team in, in Montana in those days. Do you think the streaming blackouts were in place in the nineteen twenties? <laughs> yes. No, I'm thinking there is um probably a lot of box score reading. Yeah. Newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one good thing, though, about, you know, the 20s and into the 30s, there were some really good Cubs teams back in that time. It got really bad after 45, but 20s and 30s, man, they were just on pennant after pennant after pennant. Unfortunately, no titles, though, to bring in in that timeline. Yes, uh, my grandpa was, um, he loved to tell Hack Wilson stories. Awesome. Sean, I was I was about to ask that. I am also a Cubs fan, courtesy of my grandfather through my father. A little different because, you know, here in Chicago. But, you know, everyone we get our fandom from has a team and a player. And my grandfather's team and player was always Hack Wilson and the 1929 Cubs. And he could never avoid telling me the story of them blowing that huge lead in in, in that particular era. So everyone's everyone's fan relative has a, a player and a team. And I think we all know what our team will be and our, what our players will be when that time comes for us. But it's always interesting to see those through lines um, from one person to another, even across geography and generations. Well, I was going to say, if you want to hear uh, my grandfather's favorite Pack Wilson story. Um, so Pack uh, Wilson liked to drink a lot. <laughs> and um, he went out one night in Philadelphia, got very drunk. And the next morning, there was a game against the Phillies. And he was very, uh, what's the word I want to use? Hungover? Is that a good way? Still probably drunk. So um, the Cubs pitcher got lit up that day. 
absolutely crushed. So Hack Wilson way down in the outfield when they were making a pitching change, they took a little nap. And the pitcher was very upset that he was being removed from the game. And much like a known creep, Trevor Bauer, fired the ball towards center field <laughs> in anger. So the ball hits the wall, and Hack Wilson springs to life, grabs the ball from the wall and throws it in to the cutoff man, thinking it was a double. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pitcher is probably as lit as a guy as lit as uh, Hack Wilson did the night before. Probably, yes. I love those old-timey stories and uh, a totally different era uh, we're in these days, or at least that stuff's maybe a little bit more secret. Um, guys still show up to the ballpark very hungover, no question about that, but haven't seen a Cub nap in the outfield. I mean, I think about like the brain fart that Milton Bradley had in the outfield throwing the ball out with fewer than three outs, but I don't think I've seen a Cubs player actually take a nap in the outfield. Yeah, We've definitely seen some mental naps taken <laughs> yeah. in the outfield a time or two. Well, Lee Smith, they say, used to sleep in the bullpen and they just wake him up in the ninth inning. <laughs> All those day games. Close. Yeah. Sean, um, is your story all in Montana? Are you born and raised up there? I am, yes. So what's the Cubs scene like up there? I mean, the Cubs have this national audience, right? Are there a lot of Cubs fans that you see when you're out and about in Montana? There are a few. I mean, it's not like a ton, but there definitely is an influence of, there's a group of Cubs fans here. You'll see yeah. the show and stuff. Well, I'm in Denver, so I'm a bit south of you here. And anytime I put on any Cubs apparel, a t-shirt, a hat, there's like five people that stop me just walking to the grocery store. Go Cubs. Um, had a, a funny sort of moment the other day in Taos, uh, New Mexico. I had a Cubs hat on. There was a guy. We were in this church that was built 100 years before Wrigley Field. And yes. there was a guy in there. He had a St. Louis Cardinals hat on. We kind of made eyes with each other for a minute like, huh. And enemies he, here. <laughs> he was able to walk into the church without catching on fire. <laughs> oh, Randall. Uh, it was interesting, though. Yeah, it's cool to see the fan bases as you get out across the country here. Um, have you gotten to Wrigley Field, though? Because it's quite the trek back to Chicago. I have. I went in 2001 and 1992. Wow. So, yes. Do, do you have any specific memories from either of those trips? I mean, 92, that, that was a long time ago. Uh, like 92, I don't remember much. Apparently, I went to a game where Jim Bullinger threw a one-hitter. Oh, so that wow. <laughs> that's nice, yeah. What about the one? That's that's Rowan's favorite team, so he probably has a good idea of what you were up to. That was pretty fun. I got seats behind home plate, yeah. We got to see um, Matt Stairs. I'm trying to think all the great Sosa, of course. Yeah. That's what we wanted to see. And um trying to think of whether – oh. Uh, there's a random backup catcher who I liked, Robert Machado. Oh, yeah. Hit yeah. a home run. Nice. That's a game like that. So I always like random catchers. Yeah. Well, you, you've got a you've got a big Coy Hill fan on the uh, on the <laughs> podcast here. Yeah, I don't I don't know if your uh, your boxes are in the same order, but he's uh, diagonal across from you on my screen. So you you've you've got fans of backup catchers among you right yeah. now. Sean, I'd say there's probably not that many people in the world who own a Coy Hill jersey. I'm probably one of them. It doesn't yeah. fit anymore. That was a long time ago, but I still probably have it. And uh, that, that's one of the good ones that I've held on to. Yes. 
And I mean, I'm probably the only person that was desperate to get a Rick Wilkins. Yeah. So there you go. I can relate. Well, the thing about the Cubs catcher, I mean, we're going to talk about this current roster here in a little bit. Uh, They're losing one of the great catchers that we've all seen in our lifetime. And man, it has been a revolving door other than Wilson over the last couple of years. Was it two years ago that they had like 10 different catchers coming up and down over the course of the year? Um, So there's been a lot of random catchers to your point there, Sean. Um, Curious too, you know, because I'm in Denver and I I get the Cubs via MLB.tv. That's my trip back home and what's nice these last couple years is that we get the pre and post game coverage now too that wasn't always the case um i imagine for you are you an mlb tv viewer to get the cubs from uh, up there in montana yeah yeah i mean obviously it was easier back when wgm was just on cable and we could all get them but you know what can you do yeah absolutely well i got a quick trivia question for all of you Right. We're going to throw this one out and then we're going to talk about this current Cubs team. But I got a soft spot for Montana. It's been on my list. You know, there's a town, Randall, in Montana called Ronan. So I got to get up there, too, and just stand by the sign. Um, There is one Chicago Cub who was born in Montana. Do we know who that player is? Oh, wow. Current Cub. I'm saying like a guy who's going to be on the team this season who was born in Montana. Do we know who that Cub is? I think I know this. Go ahead, Sean. Cody Hoyer. You got it. Excellent. Wow. I was hoping you would get it. It's something yeah. that we talked about. I did a quick search earlier today. I was That's just thinking it. how many major league players have been born in Montana? Lots of guys a long time ago, actually. And then boom, Cody, Cody Hoyer's in the list. It's like, oh, wow, we got a guy. Yeah, the greatest um, Montana player would be Dave McNally, I would think. Wow. I guess yeah. so. So, Sean, I know we're going to get into the, the current team in a second. I do have a question for you. Um, you know, Ronan asked how you follow the Cubs out there in Montana. So you're in Montana. I, I know you're an L.A. Rams guy, too, from, from our interactions. Yeah. You're in this kind of pro sports desert. Obviously, there's no major teams in Montana. Okay. How do you how do you kind of pick your teams? Like, obviously, the Cubs are hereditary. Everything mm-hmm. else is, you know, how do you pick your teams when you're in kind of this this desert of, of major pro teams? It's hard. Um the Rams, again, were family. I just, like, I went through the family stuff big time. And, yeah, I just went with my, um, my dad's teams were. So, otherwise, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense. Do you have an NBA and an NHL team, or are you just an MLB NFL guy? Nope, I am. Chicago Blackhawks, of course. Yeah. And um, then the LA Lakers. So, well, big wow. week for them with yeah. LeBron. Yes. And then trading Westbrook too. Uh, I, I do. I do have a question. I mean, you, you, you just to go back a little bit and not as a little off topic from this, but you know, you mentioned uh, Robert Machado and you loving backup catchers and stuff like that. But do you have any, uh, like, like over your Cubs fandom, like, is there any particular player that you had like a special connection to besides just like a backup uh, catcher? Or is that really they're your go-to guys? They're just like, you know, the, uh... yeah, you go ahead. So I'm thinking, like, obviously we all like Sosa, right? Back in the day. I loved Aramis Ramirez, yeah, a huge Ramirez guy. Um, trying to think like other, I always liked uh, Colvin, Tyler Colvin. Yeah, I thought he'd be like, that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> neither neither did his lung. Oh man, <laughs> I I was big Aramis guy too. I loved Aramis. This is one of my right. favorite. Like who who wasn't a big Aramis guy? There are exactly two, uh, three. Maybe people. those chickens. Bob Brinley. 
three people who weren't big Aramis guys, and nobody, nobody I'm much goes to them Bob for Brindley. anything. Yeah, I'm still mad at Bob Brenly over that. As he should so. be. Yeah. Aramis was, I think, our timeline here of Cub fandom, too. Um, there weren't a huge stretch of like consistent third basemen through the 90s with the Cubs. Yeah. You know, and then you get into the 2000s here, and it's like not only do you have this rock solid player who came from a division rival, but he was mm-hmm. a part of multiple playoff teams. And until this last stretch here, how many guys could even say that they played for multiple Cubs playoff teams? It's a very small list in the history of the franchise. Yes. No, the pre um, pre Aramis third base was ugly. Yeah, it was bad. Like I With- look like the O one team. Who did they even have a third base? I don't remember. Coom Dog. Yeah, Coomer. Coomer. That's right. But yeah, then but... you had, you know, like a revolving door, the Shane Andrews of the world yeah. who got playing time at third base that just didn't really, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't a consistent slot for the Cubs at all. They had right. like Kevin Ori and Jose Hernandez at various points. Yeah. Zeal. Exactly yeah. right. Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal. Um, Man, it's it's uh, it's fun to go down memory lane and revisit some of these players. And it's a lot easier. I think this is something that we talked about on a recent podcast. It's a lot easier because we've had 2016, right? I can look back on some of the close calls. Jeremy mentioned earlier the 2001 Cubs for me, mm-hmm. undoubtedly one of my favorite teams in my life. And part of it is like the timeline 2001 for the three of us was the summer between eighth grade and high school. So right, so that's like a pivotal time in your life. You're getting ready for high school. Uh, the Cubs had the best record in baseball, the, or the National League at the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Kerry Wood was having a monster year. They go out, they get McGriff. I mean, it just, it was really good until September. And mm-hmm. then it got really bad at the very end. But I have just such fond memories of that team. It's, you know, it's one thing to have high expectations and go out and crush it like we saw in 16 and to an extent in 15 as well. It's different when the expectations are not there and the team goes out and has a magical run. And that's what 2001 really summed up for me. Well, let me ask you, how bitter are you about David Weathers still? Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. David Weathers, uh, not a name that I particularly love in Cubs history. Uh, But there are other players that I think a lot of Cubs fans don't have a lot of love for that I actually really like. And, and someone we've talked about in this show is Latroy Hawkins. You oh, know, yeah. 2004 ended badly for Latroy. He was really good, though, until mm-hmm. that final two weeks of the year. So I think, I think if you go to Cubs fans and you say Latroy Hawkins, a lot of people are going to go, oh, man. But yeah, I, I, I thought he was pretty good, actually, until those final two weeks in September. Then it got really ugly. Yes. I mean – I thought he was better than, like, Bob Howery, who yeah. I also did not like. Yeah, Bob Howery, uh, so many names, so many <laughs> names. But let's jump forward to this current team. You know, on this podcast, the three of us have sort of mixed opinions about this offseason. We did letter grades a couple weeks ago. I gave the Cubs a C. I'm sort of really lukewarm on this offseason. Randall, a little more optimistic, gave him a B. Jeremy, I don't even remember what letter grade you gave the Cubs I- if he even did. I think I went with a B. I, 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 I don't know if I was on that podcast, actually, but I would go with a B. B. Sean, some good, some bad. Where, where do you grade the Cubs this offseason, and what do you particularly like about what they've done? Well, I think I'll go B- minus because, um, well, I like, like, Bellinger, I like. That's, like, a good buy low. He could be good. Um, I like Dan Swanson. At first, I was a little bit more, but... 
the more I look about it and think about it, I was surprised how much power he has. He had more power than I thought. Yeah. So I like that. Um, I think um, the pitching, I mean, Ta Talon, he could be okay. We'll see. I like um, I like Drew Smiley, but will he stay healthy? I don't know. I don't know about the bullpen moves, but they usually can create a bullpen that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, Hosmer, I don't, you know, that's like a nothing move. I mean, they're giving the league minimum, so whatever. I don't know about Mancini. A lot of people like Mancini, but I'm like, he's all right. But that's like, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think they raised the floor. But yeah, I'll give a B minus. Well, you're all more optimistic than me, that's for sure. And Sean, you're much more polite about Eric Hosmer than I've been the last month. <laughs> that's that's an understatement. John, I used that very same verbiage talking about the moves they made. They've raised the floor on this team. A lot of these moves don't raise the ceiling, but you've gone, you've taken out a lot of dead weight from last year's roster, and you've at least replaced them with average to slightly below average. You know, it doesn't necessarily make the team better at the top end, but you've you've raised the floor of this team, as you said. So that's two very smart people who like to use that ra that phrase, raise the floor, and that, that just lends credence to it. Yeah. I, is there a move that was out there that you wanted them to make that they didn't end up making? Um. Well, obviously, I would like... Xander Bogarts, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, I mean, I wish they would have traded for one more starting pitcher of some sort, but I don't know what the what the market would have been for that. But you know, I mean, but obviously there weren't a ton of like guys that really like yelled out at you like you've got to get this guy. But I'll ask you guys. I mean, were there guys that you thought, man? I wish they got that guy. I'll take one. I think the maybe the biggest priority after they got Bellinger, because I'm with you, Sean, that was for me like, please lock up Bellinger. Let's get this defensive center fielder who maybe puts it together offensively. But other than that, I really feel like this team still needs a top-of-the-line starter. And I think there was a guy out there. Carlos Rodon is the guy that kind of slipped away to me. Uh, yeah, the Yankees went out and spent a ton of money for him. But you go out and you get an ace or a top-of-the-line starter, it makes them much more competitive in the next year. I, I think the starting rotation is going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. I, there's not a lot of duds in the starting rotation, but you still need that top-of-the-line guy. And maybe if the Cubs are in it in July, they can go out and acquire that player. But mm -hmm. I'd feel much better about their hopes going into the year if they had an ace. And this team doesn't have an ace right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. for me, for me personally, I, I think at the start of the offseason, um, when it was kind of one of the first moves that went off that was a uh, Jose Abreu to the Astros. And at the time we were all kind of being like, Oh, that's a lot of money for Jose Abreu. Right. But then the way the offseason played out, it was like that really, yeah. I mean, guys are getting huge contracts. That's kind of not that much money. So I, I feel like that would have really, you know, we would have gotten a, a real hitter to lengthen out that lineup and power. And, you know, I, I don't hate Mancini or Hosmer. And I've talked about in the past, my opinions on them, but I think that, a guy like that in the middle of the lineup would have been nice. So for me, that that was kind of a miss to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we've talked about raising the floor now. Ronan's suggested move Carlos Jordan. That would have been a ceiling raiser. That mm -hmm. would have not just made the team 
closer to average, it would have lifted you up a lot further. And again, a move like that, that's a move I, I, I do think they missed out on is upgrading the rotation. Now, and the only reason I'm not kind of more angry about that than I am is I think they're trying to keep a lot of trade powder dry for next year when they're a lot closer to being in contention. But of course, free agency is fickle. Trades are fickle. You never know who's going to be out there. And they had a chance to lock up a guy like that. And they, they, you know, chose yeah. not to opted not to, however you want to phrase it. Yep. And I'd oh. argue, you know, the faster way to being competitive is adding really good players as soon as possible. There's like this mindset I think that goes around, wait till you're just about ready and then go add the piece. And I think my argument would be, or just start adding pieces now and you're already going to be a better team. But I see what you're saying, Randall. Just that was the miss to me. Uh, the starting rotation is not going to be the weakness for the Cubs this year, but it's not as strong as it could be with an ace. And Right now, I don't think that's there. And that's no knock on Stroman. He's going to have a good year, I think. Tyone, I think, is going to be an innings eater for the Cubs. I'm excited about that. But you need that number one guy. And you look at the other competitive teams in the National League, the Dodgers have multiple aces. The Mets have multiple aces. Atlanta's got a number of aces. I don't see the Cubs really matching up with that right now, and that's frustrating. So now let me ask a question for like everybody. Of the young guys, the young pitchers, you know, you're Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson. Who do you want to start? And who do you feel better in the bullpen? I'm big on Justin Steele in the rotation. Personally, I think he's poised to take a, a big leap forward. I think Keegan Thompson, I, I think he can provide in the rotation. But I think we saw last year, he can be really good in that kind of bulk guy, giving you two or three innings a game two or three times a week. And I think that's something that the Cubs are going to excel at. I think we're not going to be super impressed with uh, the innings from the starting rotation, but I think we're going to be real impressed with guys like Alzale and Thompson giving you those bulk innings behind the starter. And I think it's going to kind of prop up the rotation as a result. So I'm big on steel in the rotation and Thompson in the bullpen. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily I don't disagree with you, uh, Randall. I, I'm also big on Steele. I think he he provides a lot in the rotation. I also think that uh Wesneski, Hayden Wesneski, I think you yeah. gotta give him a chance as a starter. Um, so I would like to see him getting some starts. For me, I agree, Randall. Uh, Thompson, I think play and Azali as well, they both kind of play a little bit better out of the bullpen. So I would put them back there. Um, but yeah, I think I think Steele and Wesneski are two guys I actually really like and I think can really provide, you know. Uh, uh, like, I don't know. They're not going to be like, you know, we talked about, Rowan talked about, we don't have any aces or anything, but, you know, give you solid, you know, pretty good innings. I think not just like a number five. I think they could be solid, dependable pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other. Can... Oh, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you give me a rotation of Stroman, Tyon, Steele, Wisniewski, and Smiley, that's not a bad rotation. It's no one's great but no one's bad. I think you're right. It, it's solid. And I think Tyone is going to, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think he's going to be a big innings eater. I think he's going to lead the team in innings pitched next season. And this is not really having any idea 
if and what Kyle Hendricks is going to bring to the Cubs this season. I saw a story today that it's liable to open the year on the 60-day injured list, which is like, oh, no, are we going to even see him at all this yeah. season? Um, one other name, though, that I want to throw into the mix here, it's just one of the players going into spring training that I'm going to be really excited to watch and see what spring brings for him, and that's Caleb Killian. We got a little taste of him at Wrigley. There was a lot of hype for him for last year, didn't pitch well in the majors, struggled also in the minors, but he's only 25. Like, he's not a, a, a guy past his prime by any means. That's one of the guys in spring training and into the start of next year. And I expect he'll open the year in Des Moines that I'm going to be watching going, you know, this guy could really contribute to the team next year. So just another name to throw into the hat there. But yeah, I mean, that was, and he was the return for Chris Bryant. So, you know, you would like to see him contribute something at some point. I mean, obviously Chris Bryant, not the year he wanted, either in Colorado, but yeah, you'd like to see him. Yeah, totally. Let's pivot to the bullpen here for a minute, Sean. I'm curious, a question I've asked my co-hosts here, who do you think like saves the most games or closes out the most games for the Cubs this year? Who are some of those bullpen arms that you're really excited about? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure because I've been thinking about this too. I mean, the candidates, I mean, Boxberger's closed before. I'm trying to think. They wouldn't have Alzale or Thompson close. So I don't know. What do you think? It, that, that's a really good question. Uh, I think a couple other names maybe you could throw out there, like the Jeremiah Estrada, Manny Rodriguez, maybe, right? Like he can throw hard. He's kind of back in the mix. He's not going to open the season with the big league team, but if he pitches well in April, then maybe he goes up. I'm not worried about the bullpen. I think they're going to figure that out, but I don't think there's any clear answer on the obvious closer going into the season. Lots of intriguing names though. Yes. But they do seem to have this thing where they go the first month of the year, the bullpen's like a mess. And by the middle of May, then you're like, well, I like this bullpen, but I guess it just, that's how you have to figure out a bullpen now. Yeah, it seems like they kind of work through to see who who could be successful and who can't. Me personally, I think they, I think it's probably they'll probably start off with Boxberger as the closer. But I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if you see one of those young arms like Estrada who has such great stuff. You know, maybe he could take it over, and uh, you know, we'll we'll move through um throughout the season if Boxberger gets traded, he could be the closer. I, I would continue with the bullpen. Um. Do you feel like like because I there's still rumblings of them um you know signing a reliever out there so are, is there any like relievers that you 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 know that are out there that you like like for me I like Matt Moore I think he'd come in and do um and I feel like they need another lefty there yeah I want one of the lefties right. whether it's Moore or like what are the other op- I mean would you bring back the sheriff yeah Chafin sure. I'm down with that just to see him back in a Cubs uniform would be satisfying again. What are the fun Cubs to watch on bad teams, right? The Sheriff. But I mean, there's got, there's like five or six lefties that are still out there. So yeah, I'd like to see one of them. Yeah. And I feel like Hughes is like the only lefty they really have in the pen right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're less than a week out from camp breaking down in Mesa and something that you see, I think the first two weeks of spring training, there's all these guys that are hanging on that don't have a deal. Then you show up at camp and guys get aches and pains and people start getting hurt a little bit. And then all of a sudden those remaining free agent pieces seem to land in spots. So I'm confident the Cubs are going to add at least one other player here before 
we get too deep into spring training games, and maybe it is a lefty in the bullpen that ends up sort of rounding out the roster right now. Well, you put out an article today on CubsInsider.com, and I saw the headline, and I was hoping you were the one that wrote it, and then the timing was perfect with you coming on the show here tonight, but it's a really interesting piece. Uh, it's titled, A Case for Christopher Morell as Everyday Third Baseman for the Cubs. I do want people to go to CubsInsider.com and read your article and draw that traffic to the site, but what's the case here, Sean? What are you saying about Christopher Morell as the Everyday Third Baseman? Okay. So my case is, he started out last year, obviously, completely on fire. And then he had, you would, I mean, would you call it a rookie wall? That's what I'm calling it. In about, I don't know, September, um, early August. And his numbers were bad for the rest of the year. But you look at his overall numbers, they're good. He's got a higher um, weighted runs created than Patrick Wisdom did last year. And so you're like, hmm, he's pretty good. And now he didn't play much at third base. He played all over the field. But when he played at third base, he did have some throwing issues. And throws went high, you know, sloppy footwork, whatever you want to call it. But I think if he plays every day at third base, those problems will go away. And I really feel like he's going to have a breakout season with the bat this year. But... My article is, um, some people don't agree. It's pretty funny to read the comments, but <laughs> that's my case. Randall says never read the comments. I, I say that, always read them. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, in fact, have a standing philosophy, never read the comments. Sean, I did I did read through your article, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, I, I think I'm in, in, in your court here. Um, we've seen that Morel definitely has the arm to play third base. We've seen that he has the athleticism and the reflexes to do, a, I think, a really good job there. He's got that, that quick twitch energy. He's not Javi, but he reminds you a tiny bit of Javi. Like there's a little tiny shard of Javi in him somewhere. Um, yeah, no, I do think that with the reps, he could become a pretty good defensive third baseman. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just old school enough to think you need a good bit of power from third base. And I'm not sure Morell's ever going to be the 20, 25 home run guy in the major leagues, but he, he showed a good bit of power last year. He hit, like you said, 16 home runs. I think as far as the bat that at its ceiling, you're going to want to get in the lineup every day. I think Morell is that guy. So I'm with you. I think you give him as many reps as possible and have him work on the footwork and the throwing. And I think he'd be, he could become a pretty good third baseman here in the major leagues. Well, that's the other thing that people don't realize, I think, when you look at the numbers, his walk rate is pretty good for, a, for kind of a free swinger. And in the minors, it was good. So I think that shows someone that will be a better hitter going forward. But I never, you don't know. Yeah. He's a ton of fun to watch too, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's part of it too, is being a fan, like taking the stats and the analytics out of the equation it's joyful watching him play. He seems to enjoy what he does. And that gives me a bonus point or two. I'm not the biggest Patrick wisdom guy either. Like the power is there. No yeah. question about it. He's not a very good defensive third baseman strikes out a ton. Doesn't have the high average, uh, you know, got a nice smile. He's a nice looking guy out on the field, but he's not an everyday third baseman. So I'm, I'm interested in this morale getting a lot of starts there. One thing I think that we're definitely going to see with morale, he's going to play, all over the place though. And we're going to see a ton of him starting games next year. And he should be getting at bats. I'd rather him be getting at bats than some of the other guys that are guaranteed some plate appearances next year, like Eric Hosmer. 
Well, that's the other thing. Like, so you have to compare them to what else they have. Yeah. Now, if there's like a bona fide third baseman somewhere else on the roster, maybe you don't put him there. But that's what you like, Patrick Wisdom. No offense to him, but we could do better than that. I yeah. hope so. I and I, I I agree in certain in terms of like. I mean, you want Christopher Morrell to be the guy. You want him to come out there and, and improve and show that he can be guy. Like if if you don't you don't want Patrick. Not no offense to Patrick Wisdom, but you don't want Patrick Wisdom to be your best third baseman. Um, so you you're you're hopeful that Morrell or whoever on the roster could outperform him. Um, uh, I I am a little skeptical of like his approach and the way he he fits in, but he showed a lot last year. You're you are right. Like he he came up and his like walk rate was pretty steady. And I don't know how stable it is, but we'll see. And I think. You have to give him that chance next year. I think he will see a lot of time in various positions. I don't think, I don't. I mean, at least the start year, I don't think he's gonna be playing every day. But if he takes it, like, yeah, you hope he takes that guy. Um, another guy on the roster that you know the convention playing third base, uh, is Nick Madrigal. They were talking about. How do you feel about where Nick Madrigal stands on this Cubs <laughs> roster today? I don't think he should be on the roster. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> You're right, Sean. I I don't, uh, you know, where where do I stand on Nick Madrigal? I said this on the show a couple weeks ago, Sean. I said, if the Cubs have a game next season where Nick Madrigal is starting at third and Eric Hosmer is starting at first, it's like (laughs) they're just asking me to turn it off. Please don't do that to me, Cubs. David Ross, I know you listen. You care about my input here. Please don't make that happen next year. That would be awful. Yes. Something has gone horribly wrong. Yeah. If that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather see Nico play third and put Madrigal at second. Like, I don't understand why they're having him take reps at third, like, at all. And it was just to show it off. Yeah, he doesn't have an arm to consistently throw from third. He right, can no. barely throw from second. It, it's going to be like watching Tommy LaSella at third all over again, and possibly worse. Yes. Yeah, because Tommy could hit a little bit. He could hit some power. Exactly. Yeah, Nick Nick Madrigal is not 3 a.m. He, he No one's saying Nick Madrigal can you know roll out of bed at 3 a.m and and hit a single maybe someone is saying that but i know this this podcast is not yeah that's I'm, I was hit a single. yeah i was skeptical when they got him like it was like oh this guy's an unbelievable hitter and i was always like so the white Sox could just give him away but i'm like all right i'll give him a chance and yeah i'm not impressed I was much more impressed with Nick Madrigal when he was a White Sox. And I thought, wow, you know, I know he doesn't have power, but look, he seems to hit the ball really well. He was a great player at Oregon State. He he seemed to do fine in the minors. And then once I saw him play every day, I was like, no, I don't think this is the guy for me. It's one of those players that you sort of appreciate more from a distance than once you actually see him play every day. Yeah, they're like a, what do you want to say, a paper performer? Paper tiger. Yeah, paper tiger. Yeah. He he also got hurt at like the right time each of the last not this past season but when he was with the White Sox like each of those two years he got hurt like right when he was like in the middle of a hot streak so his stats were always like artificially high when you looked at them it's like oh wow he had a four hundred sluggy percentage yeah because he hit like two homers in twenty games like right before he got hurt it's like it if he like, played the uh, more the season it would have gone down it would be like if um Christopher Morel got hurt in July last year right. You think, wow, this guy's unbelievable. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, Patrick Wisdom after he came up and hit all those home runs. I yeah. just, going back to Patrick Wisdom for a minute, I'm just shocked this guy is still around. He broke Chris Bryant's record. Yeah. Most Jeremy, homers. Jeremy came out to Denver here, uh, as he does not every year that the Cubs are out here, but maybe I've been out here 
seven years or something at this point. I'd say Jeremy's been at maybe three of the Cubs series in that time. And he was out here when we saw Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom, and we were like, what on earth is going on with the Chicago Cubs team? I'm just amazed all these years later, Patrick Wisdom is still around, and he's going to start a ton of games next year. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'm glad about is Schwindel is gone. And Raphael Ortega is gone. There's a lot of dead weight that's been dumped, you know, and then you're not going to see, you're not going to start the season with a, a Jonathan VR getting a bunch of starts on the infield. And you mentioned Raphael Ortega, who seemed like a very nice guy. And he, he did some decent work for the Cubs in part of his tenure, but you're not going to start the season with that dead weight on the roster. So, you know, whether the team has gotten markedly better, but they've gotten better at not being as bad, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, are you guys sad that you never get to see um, Ortega run the bases again? I I shed a tear every day. (laughs) I shed one tear for every time he got thrown out. So there's a lot of tears. Yeah, I I mean, it was like watching Terrio all over again. Uh, Rafael Ortega. Yeah, Randall, you're forgetting one of your favorite guys. Uh, Andrelton Simmons won't be around this year. Uh, But, you know, how could I possibly forget Andrelton Simmons uh, as much as I've tried daily? Oh, God, that was bad. I was talking with my buddy here in Denver the other day. Uh, I've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's a big Baltimore Orioles fan. He's from out east. And it's cool, right? He he works for the athletic department here in town. Uh, He's also the commissioner of my fantasy baseball leagues. We're talking about the upcoming season. But he asked me something that really I wanted to bring it to the show. He asked me about right field for the Cubs next year and my expectations for Saya. And I'm optimistic, right? I love him. He was a joy to watch last year. But if you were to ask me today what would I project that he's going to do in terms of power average on base percentage? I don't really know. And mm-hmm. the voice in the back of my head says, well, he'll probably be better because it's his second year. You're supposed to make a jump, but I don't know that the facts or the reality backs that up. He's not going to just magically better just because he's back, right? He's got to stay healthy. Sean, when you think about Suzuki for next year, what are you thinking? Like what's the realistic outcome of what we're going to get out of right field? Because He's a critical piece to whether or not this team's going to be competitive. Well, I mean, you're thinking, you're hoping he gets at least 20 home runs. You think, I mean, and what, like 270 average? Would that be, that'd be great, right? Yeah. Maybe 800 OPS. Am I being too modest or, because I'm thinking that sounds good. I, think I, I want as much power as you can get in the corner outfield, right? And I think anything less than 20 home runs, I would be disappointed in that outcome from right field. Jeremy, what were you saying there? I think it sounds good. I I, I mean, I think you're hoping that a year, your second year, as you mentioned, Ronan, you know, being comfortable in the league, being comfortable, understanding how everything works, seeing the players, the pitching staffs, being familiar with them, you know, just that whole kind of comfort level. Because last year, everything was new. I mean, he was in a new country. Everything was new to him. He'd never been anywhere before. So now you're you're going through that whole season again. You, you're part of it. I, I think you just your hope is that when that comfort level, if he feels comfortable that he can perform a little bit better. I, I mean – that, that would kind of be, your, I, I think, the hope. And I think there's a reason to believe in that, Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, what I'm looking for from Suzuki in his second year is the on-base was always a key tool when he was playing overseas in NPB. 
in nine seasons playing in NPB, he had a, a 414 on base percentage. And we mm-hmm. saw the selectivity that makes that very easily believable. I think he was having a little bit of trouble adjusting to major league umpires at times. Sure. And he was being very passive where he was taking pitches that he felt was were going to be called balls. And uh, the various umpiring clowns um, b- believed differently. So that's Wikipedia what I'm curious. Editors. The, the what? The yes, Wikipedia the, editors. the Wikipedia editors, exactly. The Wikipedia editing clowns, uh, editing their clown entries. Um, so that's something I'm looking to see from Suzuki because I think if that he can uh, utilize that tool to the extent he did while playing uh, for Hiroshima, he can very easily slot in kind of that number two spot in your lineup and be relied upon to get on base for whoever you think is going to drive in the runs. So that's one thing I'm looking to see from Suzuki in 2023 is to see if that on base percentage really starts to translate. Yeah, that's, you know, kind of going back to my point about Morel, those are the two guys that could really make a difference this year, is Morel and Suzuki. If they can build on some aspects of promising years the next year, that'll be a big factor in, can this team compete for, like, the last wild card spot? I hope mm-hmm. so. I mean, I, I that's really what I want this season – to matter, meaning I want there to be meaningful baseball games in August and September. And like to an extent, like last September mattered to young players on the team that we think are going to be back and important this year. Talking earlier about Justin Steele, uh, uh, you know, guys like that. But I want them to be playing games that matter in August and September. And maybe they fall short. That wouldn't be the end of the world. But I'll be very disappointed if this is a team that's heavily selling in July. And then you're thinking about next season, you know, maybe they trade an Ian Happ, they trade a Cody Bellinger, and you're like, okay, well, who's going to play left field next year? Who's going to play center field next year? And now you've got a whole lot of pieces again that you go out, got to go out and put together in the offseason. So I hope that that's something that they can avoid. Yeah. I got to back up here for just a second, though, because Jeremy and Randall were talking about the Wikipedia edits. And I don't know, Sean, if you're familiar with this story, but if you're not... (laughs) This is amazing. Uh, A user on the baseball Reddit uncovered that Joe West has been spending most of this offseason fighting with Wikipedia and people that have been editing his Wikipedia page. And the best part of it, I think, is that the account is Crew Chief 22, which is Joe West's number, 22. Were you aware that Joe West is spending his offseason fighting with the Wikipedia and Wikipedia editors? I I was not aware of that. But I am not surprised. It's pretty funny. He uh, he's been getting into what he, he demanded that if they weren't going to let him, like basically, you know, put up what he the, his truth mm. and the whole the whole page be taken down. <laughs> he was demanding that. I, I'm just imagining him sitting there at his computer right. wearing one of his wristbands, you know, mm. the the support umpire wristbands, and just fuming when Wikipedia won't let him edit his his entry to say he's the greatest umpire of all time the what would that be the the gut maybe greatest yes. umpire the, the guat yeah guat. that that's the, guat. the gout oh no the gout. Gout. Yeah. there we go that, that'd be a perfect that would be a perfect title for him he can be the gout i i, 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 yeah, I do have a question oh yeah go go out yeah the greatest civil rights issue of our time exactly <laughs> hey, joe west is on that line fighting for the rights of umpires he's always been there um, I do have a question kind of going back to what Ronan was saying prior to this uh, about whether or not they are sellers and 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 
you know, they could be training. And a guy he mentioned as an Ian Happ, uh, who was obviously kind of came into his own last year as a player and is an old final year of his contract. And also another guy, Nico Horner, another like the two kind of guys they developed, drafted first round picks, who had pretty good years last year. Uh, like are you are you thinking and hope praying that the Cubs can kind of get an extension done with these guys uh soon? Yeah. I would like them to, but it seems like the Cubs are just absolutely allergic to extending anyone. When's yeah. the last time you extended someone? Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks. Oh, yeah. was it Hendricks before after Bodie? Oh yeah. my god. It's Kyle Hendricks, I want to say going or it was spring training of 2019, they extended him. Yeah, and the only other guy was Bodie, which still makes no sense. It you yeah. know, it hasn't worked out. Right. Like David, we, we thought David Bodie was going to be a better hitter and he's had a ton of bad luck too, with some really fluky injuries that have messed him up. I'll never forget when he tripped on the baseball, on the baseball. that was at Sox park that was hidden in an advertisement that was on the field. There was white paint in the advertisement. He rolls over the ball and he messes up his body. I mean, that's just awful luck. The, the, the thing with, David Bodie, I guess, in the Cubs' defense, is that if if he was the hitter that they thought he was going to be, he was going to be super cheap. Kind of like what the Cardinals did with Paul DeYoung, where they gave him a bunch of money up front. If Paul DeYoung becomes a great major league player, you have him at this great deal. His career, too, has just sort of leveled out in the last year or so. He's been more productive than David Bodie overall. But, yeah, that, that one's been just sort of a bummer. At least it wasn't too much money. I think Bodie was under yeah, $25 million. Something yeah. like that, um, maybe even under twenty million, but it just it never really panned out. And that's a Colorado guy, by the way. Here, uh, he's got an interesting reputation here in Colorado. Some folks like him, some don't. He, yes. he missed a lot of time last year, but he and he only played a small sample. But like you, you I went back. I was looking at yesterday. I was looking at the Cubs run thing, and he had he had pretty good numbers last season. Whatever in that very small sample of games he played, I was like, wow, David Bodie actually performed last year. And I like I don't even think about. It. I don't even think of David Bodie like being on the team last year, but because he played so small. But uh, yeah, that that's one. Uh, and and you know the other day Jed said like he's done negotiating in spring training. So I feel like mm-hmm. if there is a window to get this. Done. It, it has to be like very soon, or maybe the start. Bodie's of- ill. Yeah. Well, yeah. question about Ian Happ. If we're thinking about what he would take or what he's asking in terms mm-hmm. of an extension, there's two names that come to mind for me. Uh, one, the deal the Sox gave for Benintendi, yes. and then two, the Brandon Nimmo contract. If mm-hmm. if you were to take a guess, where do you think Ian Happ? is closer to fall, at least maybe what he is demanding at this point in time. And maybe those aren't the two best players to compare. They're just the two that came to mind for me. I'm thinking, you know, I really think the Benintendi deal would be closer to what he would get because they're similar players. And I, I might add, by the way, going back a bit with David Bodie, a little shout out to the uh, movie Rookie of the Year for stepping out of baseball. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Fans of the movie Rookie of the Year will remember how uh, Henry Rowan Gardner blew his arm out again, mm-hmm. flipping on a baseball. Sean, I, I got to tell the story because you mentioned that I was back home in Chicago over the holiday break, and you should be very fortunate you're not on the text chain with uh, Jeremy and Randall and I. Uh, that movie was on MLB Network, and I sent, honest to God, fifteen screenshots of that film to Randall. Don't undersell, your, don't undersell yourself here, O'Shea. 
just to pay, look at the ballpark, look at the clubhouse, look at this, look at how the Ivy looks, uh, just really spamming him that night as I was watching the film. Uh, but you're right, you trip on the ball, and then suddenly you're throwing the ball 100 miles per hour, uh, along with Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it goes away. And then it goes away. Yeah, but he found a way to get the big out there at the end. Um, another player that I'm thinking about that I wanted your thoughts on here, Sean. Uh, first base is a big question. We've talked a little bit about uh, the two free agent signings here, Hosmer and Mancini, who have come in. But I think the name the Cubs fans are really excited about is Matt Mervis, who just tore the cover off the ball, peaking in Des Moines last year in AAA. What are you expecting from Matt Mervis? What should Cubs fans be getting out of him this year? Well, you know, it's... He's never played in the majors, so it's very hard to, you know, we're going to pin expectations on someone that's never played. But he he absolutely destroyed AAA. So you're thinking, like, could he come up and get hot, like maybe early, get some home runs going, get some confidence, or could he be a total flop? You don't know. So I think it's very hard to count on him. But if things go bad this season early, I say throw him out there. Start him every day and see what you got. Yeah, I, I don't think and I don't think the Cubs well, I don't like I don't see Eric Hosmer as blocking Matt Mervis. Like if Matt Mervis is performing uh, and Eric Hosmer's not, there's no reason to keep Eric Hosmer around with Matt Mervis there. I do like the idea of like not him getting the job because I feel like he should earn it, you know. Sure. Um um and because we haven't seen that or whatever, but yeah, I, I I don't I think I think if he's hits, I think he'll play. You know, actually, something interesting. I don't know if you guys saw. They announced the World um, Baseball Classic rosters. And Matt Mervis is the first baseman for Team Israel. So he's going to get some playing time against major league players in the WBC. So that might be – I'm curious to see what happens there. Sean, I I literally have the the pool teams that he's going to be playing against – in front of me right now team israel is starting the tournament in pool d and the other teams in that pool team dominican republic team puerto rico team mm-hmm. venezuela um and team i believe team nicaragua as well he's going to be facing some he's going to be facing some pretty good pitching some major league yeah. quality pitching in pool play and you know i don't think anyone expects team israel to i don't think anyone expects team israel to advance out of that pool but he's going to be facing major league quality pitching in this tournament. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to help him. It's not that he wouldn't be facing major league pitching in Cubs camp, but like you said, he's probably going to be an everyday player for team Israel and he's going to be facing some really, really good opposition. And I think that's going to help him uh, quite a bit. You know, we always say we want the players in camp to, uh, to, you know, try and earn that job. But I think this might be better for his development than coming in in the, the sixth inning of, you know, every game in the Cactus League and facing mm-hmm. the other team's single-A, double-A pitchers who are in camp. Yep. He might face Stroman. Uh, yeah. That's true. He might. I mean, Stroman's on Puerto Rico in the same pool. Did I see Matt Harvey made that he is, roster as He well? is on Team Italy. Matt oh, Harvey Italy. is playing for, okay. yes, Team Italy. <laughs> I, I got the eyes mixed up there. Uh, who is the coach of Israel? You know, that's a great question. I have not seen, but uh, the internet is infinite, it's, and uh, I bet you we can probably figure it Ian out. Ian Kinsler. I think it's Ian Kinsler. I'm pretty sure it's Ian Kinsler. Well, well Jeremy, the, like I said, the internet is infinite, and uh, we will uh, 
find that out. You are correct. Uh, I believe manager Ian Kinsler, uh, skippering team Israel, and uh, he'll have uh, veteran outfielder Jock Peterson uh, mm-hmm. on the bench there with him to to help with those decisions. Um, yeah, the team Israel is a really interesting roster. It of course is chiefly Jewish American ball players. There's not a whole lot of uh, is native Israeli talent to to fill out that roster, but there's some some interesting names on there. Former Cub and uh, current Brewers minor leaguer Robert Stock is on that roster. Well. Uh, Jock Peterson, like we said, is on that roster. Uh, yeah, so there's some moderately interesting names to the point where you could see them maybe scoring like one upset win in pool they play before. Pretty well in 2017. Exactly, you could see them, you know, pulling out maybe one upset win during pool play. So that'll be an interesting team to watch. And your favorite Harrison Bader backed out after he committed. Well, he's even more my favorite now because I don't have to deal with him. <laughs> You know, we're coming up on nearly 20 years since the first World Baseball Classic. It was back in 2006 when it was introduced. Uh, Sean, is this a a tournament that you enjoy after all these years? Um, you know, it's okay. It's not like, I'm not like, oh my God, the great memories, but it's entertaining. You know, I will say I got to eat a little bit of crow here. We didn't the podcast didn't exist back in 2006 when Major League Baseball first announced that this is what they wanted to do. I was extremely skeptical. Mm -hmm. And the big question was, and it remains, when's the optimal time of the year to do this? You can't really do it after the World Series. It extends the season for the players that just played in the postseason. You also can't ramp guys up after a month off if the year's been over for them. When you get into March, it's like, well, you know, they're not at full strength. You've got innings limits. I think it has completely exceeded expectations. And it's just fun to me. It sort of breaks up the monotony of spring training, too. And when you get the national pride, when you get a full Lone Depot park in Miami for a championship game. And you see these great Japanese players and Cuban players. I just think it's a great, great deal of fun. So I will say major league baseball. I was wrong back in 2006. You got this thing right. I think, and I I can't wait to watch it this spring. One thing that is going to be really fun is the Cuban team will be fully together. All the major Mm -hmm. league players on team Cuba, that will be wild. Yeah, because like guys like Luis Robert and Abreu and all those guys, they weren't allowed to play in the past for Team Cuba. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I love me some World Baseball Classic. I do love that we get some exposure to the Japanese players and the Korean players who we it's often a little harder to track. And, uh, you know, I, I you know, I'm, it's not my team. Um, very possible my team comes up against them at some point. But boy, that Dominican Republic roster is just stacked. Good <laughs> Lord. You know, when you're when you're a country that sends that many major leaguers and quality major leaguers uh, to MLB, it's it's just incredible to see the kind of roster they're able to put together. You know, they've got an infield that their their infield options include Machado, Vlad Jr., Wander Franco, Rafael Devers. You've got Robinson Cano who's going to sit there on the bench and just be kind of the elder statesman. Juan Soto in the outfield, uh, Julio Rodriguez in the outfield. It's just a ridiculous roster. And, you know, it's that's not my team, but there's a very, very, very real chance that they may steamroll my team at some point. So that's that's fun to see, too. It's almost like a like a like an all star game for the, these countries that can put together these rosters of just one quality major leaguer after another. Yes. I mean, but, um, yeah. yeah, if you think about it, the Dominican Republic, I was watching Ken Burns baseball and um, they were talking about it's a country of nine million people. 
that has produced so many major leaguers. It's really amazing. It is. It's right. incredible. And uh, Machado played for Team USA the first time he played. Yeah, it, the World tournament. Baseball Classic free agency. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Stroman, Stroman right. is playing for his second team. Machado is playing for his second team. Aaron played for USA and Dominican, I remember. Yeah, and I know, was, was it Nolan, Nolan Arenado, that guy who plays third base for the Cardinals? He has options where he could have played for Puerto Rico and chose to play for Team USA. So that's kind of fun, too, is this World Baseball Classic like free agency where you know player says, well, I played for this team last time. I want to honor the other maybe other part of my heritage and play for this team so that's kind of fun too yeah and I, that, uh, Rizzo's not playing this year for no no Rizzo Italy. Rizzo has better things to do there, there's enough nice Italian boys on the roster and that's that's kind of a fun <laughs> list of last names too I do want to say for me though that 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 game in 2017 between the Dominican and U.S. in Petco Park that game was that game was amazing, and US won. And Adam Jones had the huge yeah homer where he robbed of of Manny Machado. That was a huge moment, especially for Adam Jones, who's a San Diego native, so and in his hometown. So like I I remember just watching. That was like a real like World Baseball Classic memory. It's probably like the preeminent World Baseball Classic memory I have of well, watching that, that game. Javi Baez. Yes, with the tag, the no look tag. You know, we, we talk about these players Arriati. switching teams. Old friend Pedro Strope is pitching for Team Netherlands, which oh. he is eligible for um, by way of, I think he has a parent who was born in a, one, of, one of the Dutch territories in the Caribbean. And that's fun, too, because anytime you can get more Pedro Strope, that's a good thing. The world needs more Pedro Strope, and we're going to get more Pedro Strope playing for a Team Netherlands, or honkball, as apparently they call it. Okay. I saw, too, the Cubs play Team Canada in spring training, and one of the Cubs prospects that we're all really excited about, Owen Casey, makes the Canada roster. So he gets to go up against the Cubs in a spring training game. I just, I think it's great. I love that it's not every year. That would certainly be way too much. We've had a little bit of delay here. That stupid pandemic has messed up so many things, but I'm really excited to get it going here, and I think it's good for some of the veterans too to get out of camp for a couple of weeks, go hang out with some other baseball players, have a little bit of extra fun, and then let's get back, ramp up, and get ready to go for opening day because we're a month and a half out, folks. We're gonna be seeing major league baseball Cubs games. I know I'm ready for it. Yep. All right, Sean. Uh one other Cubs question for you, and then I gotta wrap up. We gotta talk Blackhawks for at least a minute, because I know your podcast, you're a Hawks guy. Uh, but give us a prediction here. All right. It's not even spring training yet. We're not at Valentine's yet, but where do you think the Cubs finish this year in terms of win total? What are you expecting? All right. Well, I'm going to be a little bit of a downer, but I'm going to say they end up at 82 and 80. Ooh. So basically break even. Oh, this be pod, you my... might be opti- uh, an optimistic one. Yeah. That, that qual- <laughs> qualifies you as a, uh, a shining optimist on this podcast. Because we got some guys who uh, think they're going to be out of it by May. <laughs> I, I'm worried. I want to be proven wrong. And I, I generally like to be an optimist. You know, I just, I'm, I, I got a lot of concerns with this roster right now. And I'm really, I'm annoyed with the ownership that that's really where my frustrations lie. The Cubs seem to be terrified of the luxury tax, despite the fact, like, even if they went over or into the luxury tax this year, they've got so much money coming off the books next year that you could easily dip back down without tearing up the roster. I'm just, it just seems like they're waiting. Like, like let, let, let me try and sum it up this way. When the Cubs traded Javi 
and Bryant and Rizzo, there were people saying, okay, when are the Cubs going to be legitimately competitive again? And there were people out there going 25, 2026. 20, and I was not acceptable. That was not an acceptable answer to me at that point in time. And there were people on this podcast that were like, no, come on, it's not going to take that long. Well, we're starting to get close to that if this year's ugly. 2024 then is next season, and that's too long. We were promised with the last rebuild sustained success. And I know some things didn't go right, and I'm not really disappointed that a lot of that core didn't get extended. I'm disappointed they didn't spend enough money last season or this offseason, and I really do think that they're planning at this point for 2025 or beyond. That's just too long. So I'm a pessimist. I like your optimism, Sean. And you know what? Look, if you're an 82-win team, you're a couple of bounces away, a hot streak away from being right there in the playoff race, and let's hope this is a competitive team and not a dud. The whole reason I even say that is because I just think they got rid of some of the dead weight. Mm -hmm. I think that could buy them a couple more wins. But I certainly am not going to say some people talk themselves into this team's winning 90 games and don't think that's happening. No, I don't think so either. But I do agree with you. I do think getting rid of that debt like that's going to be seen and there's going to be like effects of that like when you get rid of a guy like frank schwindel who has like a negative one war last year like and then if you could get like a one positive war that's a two wins right there so replace him so like i do think you'll see those effects kind of but uh i i think they're just i i'm really hoping we get a big minor league breakout this year because i feel like if they feel like they have a lot of prospects that are come up and on the cusp that'll be like the sign that okay it's time to go and uh, so that, that's my hope for the season. Well, we'll see what happens here. And they got a couple guys knocking on the door. We talked about Matt Mervis. Brendan Davis could be a guy that we see at Wrigley Field early in the season. But we don't know. And that's the joy of spring training and the start of the year. But at least we're so close to the finish line of the offseason. You know, after going out and uh, addressing center field, getting Bellinger, it just felt like the whole offseason slowed down and other teams were making moves. And like the last month to me has just been totally brutal. There's been largely nothing that has gone on for the Cubs with the excitement. Yeah, they went out and they got Mancini, but it's been pretty quiet. Let's get guys in Mesa. Let's get pictures of the guys working out. Let's get some games here in a couple of weeks. And then the fun starts as we get ready to the end of March and opening day. There's nothing better than Cubs baseball, whether you're in Montana, here in Denver, back in Chicago. Having those games every single day is the absolute best, and we're certainly getting close to it. I've always felt, you know, the Super Bowl is like that change of the tide here. And we got that Sunday. It should be an awesome football game Sunday night. And then spring training starts, and it's all baseball for me the rest of the year. Uh, you know, So I'm ready for it. Yep. The, the Super Bowl is like opening day for spring training, just like March Madness is, you know, kind of that last other sports benchmark before you get to opening day. Super Bowl means spring training happens that week. You know, that that's clearly what the Super Bowl is most known for. There's there's nothing else notable about it. Right. Sean, who you got Sunday? Um, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. By Anybody Okay, yeah. Uh, anybody here got the Chiefs? I got the Chiefs, I think, yeah. Big Matt Nagy fan. Go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. What happened in the last Super Bowl? I forget. I forget, too. Yeah, I also forget. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that team that you're referring to that plays in a, in Southern California, one of them? Like Matt Stafford sold some pizzas, maybe? or Yeah, yeah something won. like that. I think they won the Super Bowl. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. 
the Rams. Well, maybe someday we'll get the Bears to uh, figure some things out, although I still think that's some time off. Uh, Sean, I did want to ask you, though, before we break here, you've got the two podcasts, Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast, and I love it because you talk to Cubs fans, and that's really cool. And you had Randall on a couple years ago, and that's extra cool. Uh, Sean, I'll let you in on a little secret here. The whole reason this podcast exists is Jeremy and I are strong believers the world needs more Randall J. Sanders. And we were able to finally coax him into coming on and doing this with us. So we appreciate you give him the love there as well. But your other podcast is appealing to me too, the Emergency Goalies podcast. Kind of tough times to be a Blackhawks fan. That's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, if you're bummed out about the Cubs situation, my God, the Blackhawks are, they're a couple years behind the, the Cubs right now. They're about to do their big, you know, Tane, um, Tane and Taves about to be shipped out of town. It's it's grim. They're trying to get the number one pick. It's a draft lottery, so their odds are still, even if they're the worst team, their odds are like 18%. So we'll find out. But it's kind of a Hail Mary situation. Yeah, it's been tough. tough. Jeremy's a season ticket holder for the Hawks, so he gets out there uh, more than a handful of times a year. And we went to a game back in December. It was my first time in the United Center in about a decade. So nice to be back in there. But I, I was just looking around, and I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I was looking around going, man, what has happened here to this team and this franchise? And then all the other headaches in the front office, it just feels like the Blackhawks are a dysfunctional franchise right now. And Frankly, that's the Hawks that I remember growing up in the 90s and the 2000s. It was just a dysfunctional team. Yep, we're back in the good old days. <laughs> At least they're on TV. At least they're on TV now. <laughs> yeah, you can they, watch them lose now. Yeah. They squandered They squandered such an amazing thing that they had. And, and unfortunately, right now, like if you're a Chicago sports fan, mm-hmm. like if you're feeling right now, out of all your teams, I mean, you like who are you feeling the most excited about? I mean, you probably have the Bears, the number one pick at Justin Fields. But then, like, is your number two the Cubs? I mean, and that's off a yes. terrible year. You never do that, like, because the White Sox, and the Bulls, and the Blackhawks. It's, it's ugly, the, man. It's ugly. Very. The Bears fans are very excited about um, this number one pick. So yeah. Well, the you know trading it should yield some a whole bunch of picks and and other players for the Bears. Yeah, that's certainly exciting, but. They got a lot of holes on that team, and, yeah. and we'll see what they end up doing. They I will say, the, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it seems like the, the new team president seems like a competent individual, which is not something I can say it's a lot novel. about. Him. It's novel. Yeah. But it makes me think about what's going on on the south side and the west side right now. There's a common denominator between the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bulls. And I saw some arguing online today about Jerry Reinsdorf's legacy, and the people say, well, look, how can you criticize a guy who won seven world championships in the city of Chicago? Luck into Michael Jordan. Yeah. Exactly right, Sean. You luck into Michael Jordan. And I think anybody who was paying attention to the Bulls in the 90s, one, would recognize that was a very dysfunctional franchise. They should have won. It seems crazy me saying this out loud, but it's the truth. They should have won more than six. And if that ownership group was more competent, they would have won more than six. Yeah, the Chicago White Sox had 2005, but you take that out of the equation. They've won two playoff games since 2005. They have won zero playoff series 
since that time and long before it. It's, it's a horrible state of affairs, and the owner is the big reason why. It's a sad state of sports right now in Chicago, and, and I think the, the Cubs are going to be one of the more they, – they, the Cubs will be better than most of their counterparts in the city of Chicago sooner. I'm just not sure it's going to be this year. That, that's what I want to say, too, real quick. For the, uh, my um, emergency goalies, I want to shout out my co-host, Michael Ernst. A lot of people on Cubs Twitter know, great minor league expert, and he's my co-host, and he's the brains of the operation. He knows all the Blackhawks. I'm just, I'm more on the fan side. Well, it's like us here. Randall's the brains. Randall's the fan. Randall's the star. And Jeremy and I just sort of tag along. Yeah, we ride the coattails. We ride the coattails of Randall here. Uh, But Sean, you know, we really appreciate you taking out the time here tonight. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. I want to promote you and your work, your Twitter account, at STH85. You are, again, a contributor at Cubs Insider. You can find that group on Twitter at Cubs Insider and CubsInsider.com. Am I missing anything else in there? Uh, I do a little bit. The um, Cumble Bears Insider page. I do Bears recaps and occasional articles about the Bears, even though they're not my favorite team. Yeah, Rona, we want to point people in the right direction for the Cubs insider work. Their handle at Real Cubs Insider. Oh man, I think twice I got it wrong. I though that's that's why we're making sure we get the correct one out there. Uh, Cubs Insider, I think, was uh, camped on by someone a long time ago at Real Cubs Insider. That that great Cubs blog where you can find Sean's work. Thank you for clarifying that. That was uh, my bad. I know it's CubsInsider.com, though, and uh, appreciate you clearing that up. But the podcast, holy cow, a Cubs podcast. Sean, thanks for coming on. we got to do this again soon. And let's hope uh, you're closer to right here on that win total. Let's at least get into the 80s this year and see where it goes from there. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you.